Hello, Pip. Hello, Chris. We're going to talk about Animal Crossing again. Yes. Yeah. My skills. <laughs> Your primary skills. My eSport. <laughs> so, we've been playing Animal Crossing now for a hundred years. Six weeks. Six weeks. It's been six <laughs> weeks since the game came out. And conveniently, six weeks also since we didn't go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to check in and see how your experience of this uh, video game about collecting things and trying to figure out where paths go um, has evolved over time. Because I guess it's been how long now since we last had a chat about this? Three weeks? Mm, maybe? About two or three, I think. Two or three? But... What is time? I mean... Crucially, mm. you have got the, the ability to make paths now, which you didn't before. So yeah. perhaps we should talk a little bit about that because obviously that the the ability to terraform things um, comes quite late in the game. Mm. Obviously, after you've got used to a lot of the other systems. So I'm interested how that has changed or not changed things for you. Hang on, Isabel wants to tell me the news. Well, yeah, I guess that's maybe a useful way of. Um putting a pin in this is uh, obviously when we first did one of these podcasts we uh, had just first started playing the game we were a few days in uh, when we did the second one we were in the kind of like middle arc of its sort of slowly unlocking things progression curve it's a mid-season episode yeah and now we are both on the other side of so obviously Animal Crossing doesn't end because you play it forever um, and uh, but it does have you do have credits that you can see that occur pretty like I mean I'm going to say early like 50 to 100 hours in, depending on how, how you choose to spend your time. Um, but you see the credits and it, you know, it doesn't even, that doesn't even associate, isn't, isn't even associated with paying off your final loan, which I'm still approaching. I've got all of the different parts of the house now, but, uh, Mr. Nook still got me by the kneecaps. Mm. Um, but yeah, and at that point you unlock the kind of, I guess, final question mark, big, uh, tool, which is, as you say, the, the island designer terraforming thing. And it's kind of... So I, I guess I'm finding... I, I, for me, it's sort of tied a bow on on the uh, experience a bit. Like, I knew it was coming um, because you were ahead of me. So I I was ready for pathways. I was very ready for pathways. And I found that it's really... Like, I've been spending all this time planning for an island that was a little bit more closely integrated and felt more like a little place than the one I had, which felt a bit like a collection of buildings in, a, in an area... And I think now that I've been able to put down little plazas and pathways and dirt tracks leading into the woods and things, it's actually sort of um, lifted the whole thing. But you've taken a very different approach to island sort of geography, I guess. Well, so I think my um, my initial response was to try and keep things quite natural, which um, I think initially my only things that I wanted to do or tried to do were um, mm. creating waterfalls that would run into the bamboo area that I had because yeah. that felt nice and it made it feel less like just a blob of water had made a pond and I was now trying to build around it. Like it made it feel more like there were um, reasons for that blob to be there mm-hmm. and also responses that I could have in terms of the planting that I did um, around it and things like that um, and the other thing that I did was um, actually what I tried to do was I tried to widen the one of the river mouths because I wanted a proper delta you know mm. I wanted the ability to 
broaden that out a bit and, and sort of, I guess, almost like nod to some erosion or some change over time or something. But yeah. um, that's one of the things it won't let you do. Like it won't let you change the amount of beach and it won't let you, you know, you can put down sand, but you can't actually alter where the beach meets the land, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and you also can't and, uh, alter the river mouths because that actually, I think those tiles are just part of that tile set that you can't change right. the, the very edge of the land, like the limits of, of the main island, um, mm. before it slopes into the sea. Um, and so what I ended up doing instead was widening some of the areas that acted more like corners and trying to put some, um, blobs of land in there in a way that looked not hugely natural because that's not really how the the river would have eroded I don't think but it, you know I wanted some more fragmented areas with water running around them mm. um partly so that I could get around my dislike of all of the different bridges <laughs> in the game um and still have people be able to hop across rather than get their pole vault thing mm. out um but also just because it yeah like there's something about having less neatly broken up chunks of land that I find yeah more appealing and then around that i i'd actually stopped using the terraformer like it was you know probably about half an hour's work with that and then i didn't touch it again for for weeks i think mm. because it wasn't where my interests lay like what i actually ended up doing was um concentrating more on the flowers and se uh, separating those out into things that i could classify as biomes so i um I actually spent an afternoon doing that. So all of the pansies um, are up in the high in the pansy lands, zone. apart from some blue ones by the beach. Mm. Um, all of the windflowers are coastal. Um, then there is a bunch of like uh, cosmos by the um, by the the town hall because that felt like a kind of very like. And I love those flowers, but like they felt like the most cheap and cheerful, like municipal investment in making the town bright, but without, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that it felt very much that type of flower. So I experimented with having them in the more sort of, you know, town hall y kind of mm -hmm. areas and then um others that would be like i think pretty much all of the others were more clustered around the the houses to make those feel quite um uh cultivated i guess like they they felt more like like roses felt yeah. a lot more like this is a thing someone tends to in this world you know mm. especially with how they look um i think the only other the only other distinction i tried to make was um yellow hyacinths go near ponds and mm -hmm. red hyacinths go near running water. Yeah. So that was just something that I was experimenting with. Um, but now that I've started to get hybrids, that's a bit more, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with that. And mm. then I ended up um, digging out the terraforming tool again to make a lot of uh, circular, like, blobs of stone pathway mm. across my land um not not in the wild areas they're still i'm trying to keep them wild but um to act as like 
uh, paths that that will at least tell visitors where the main areas are, like if you follow mm. them. Um, and then I covered those in these little perfectly tessellating um, confetti tiles that I made. Because if you put a um, a custom design down over like pathway that has been terraformed mm. it's um the it sticks to the pathway rather than like the whole tile right so um to try and explain that a bit better when you when you lay a tile of pathway um it doesn't quite go to the edges of the tile like there's grass as a border yeah like as it the has some fringing yeah border and so if you were to put down a custom tile on grass it fills up the whole tile right up to the edges so it's this very sharp sort of square mm. and then if you put it down on one of these um terraformed path blocks or blobs yeah um it only goes up to the borders of that so you get quite a nice um effect as if you know these are, are actual like decorated paths rather than mm. yeah so i i actually really like that so now my um island looks like someone spilled jelly beans all over <laughs> it basically yeah it's very very um <laughs> it's, it's it's very eclectic your island i like mm. it it's but yeah it's very different to I think I feel like a big old normie for basically making a town. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What do you think the difference is? Because well, mine is still, you know, I've got a town, you know? Yeah, but it's a town where the directions from place to place are, are orbs of, of confetti. Oh, yeah, no, I suppose that's... You know, there's good. a certain energy to that where I have I have path, path I have roads <laughs> <laughs> and bridges. Um, you know, like, uh, where in your town, except that not everyone will bring their own... Um, vaulting pole mm. but it does presume that people will at least have one so you know what i mean it's it's, very, mm. it's a different energy is what i'm saying <laughs> um i'm just gonna i'm just quickly grabbing uh, i realized that we're recording this quite late in a sunday morning and i haven't bought turnips from daisy may yet oh wow how much are they going for in your island right now 96 and they're 98 in mine so I'll, I'll just get them here yeah i um yeah, I, I'm hoping that having a higher turnip price, like having a higher turnip buy price is linked to having a higher turnip sell price, I believe. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that I can then make cash this week by mm. tempting other people over to my island when I get a high price because yeah. the habit is that you invite friends over to sell their turnips if you get a good spike and then they tip you little bits of of what they make so i yep. think that's kind of how i i actually want to approach turnips is just being the the coordinator or the facilitator and <laughs> then sort of you know that that's my cut of the of the profits and yeah. then i don't have to worry as much about oh should i sell should i buy should i mm. you know navigate that whole getting to someone's island and then sitting through a million other people trying to get to the island and having my conversations interrupted the whole time and you know all of that stuff so i'm kind of yeah that's where i'm at with that is mm. see this is the thing i think this is actually something about animal crossing that kind of links stuff like this, the stock market to the stonk market even um, to uh, the terraforming tool and the creative freedom that gives you and the custom designs and the pixel art tools and things like that is it's a game where I think you have to set your boundary for how much you want to tinker mm. and how much you want to invest in trying to like quote unquote min max it because you, you can't <laughs> like you, you can't 
you will never win. You know what I mean? You, you, as that tweet that was going around, you can't defeat Tom Nook. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, even when you've paid off the, the final debt, uh, and you owe him nothing. Um, I don't want to defeat him. I actually, do you know what? I'm going to make a, a confession and I don't know whether this is going to, uh, lead to, you know, mm. drama, but I don't like Isabel. What? You used to, you used to refer to her as the In best. This iteration, I don't like her. And I was talking to some friends about this and I think I've settled on why. And it's because at this point she feels like a front for the Happy Home Academy. I see. And like for, for essentially just saying, your island should look a certain way. Whereas mm. in previous games, she was very much the like, the person working behind the scenes to make your, you know, you, the indolent, awful mares, you know, mm. stuff actually happen or come true or, you know, like, there was definitely a feeling of an overworked, like, yeah. subordinate that sort of just needed you to get your act together kind of thing. Mm. Whereas this time it just feels really like, okay, like, yeah, I don't want, you know, m more flowers i don't want fewer trees like please yeah. stop well it, this, <laughs> so i've just stopped talking to her right well so that's kind of the interesting thing right because i know that that really like knocked your enthusiasm when it appeared that the things you were valuing were not the things that the game would value in terms of getting the rating high enough to have a visit from kk slider and see the end basically get that final Kippington got a one star review right and then <laughs> But then it kind of became apparent that two sides of that is one, everyone's reviews are low at the oh. start and you only need a three star review to get the end, which is basically only a matter of having enough villages and yeah. nothing else. So the sort of the, the fear of being, um, like, uh, you know, uh, trammeled into a particular way of playing did go away, but it's interesting that. Isabel's reputation hasn't recovered mm -mm. for you, even though, I mean, she is just, yeah, she's maybe, you know, the front for it but yeah I, I found Isabel in the very small amount of New Leaf that I played I found Isabel a bit much to be honest mm. in terms of her enthusiasm for you doing anything um, but but yeah the, the, the point I was, I was meandering towards was that I think I, I and I know this from every game with any creative element to it and most games to be honest have an element of choice paralysis when you have huge amounts of power at your fingertips and you're not sure how much you actually want to use mm. and uh, I'm just uh, filling up my nip pen with this your nips my nips uh, with this week's bounty of 4,000 turnips 4,000 I don't understand this at I, all I, my, this is well this is exactly what I'm talking about this is exactly what I'm talking about so it is possible to go a bit mad on on the, the stonk market and worry too much about it and end up panicking about selling off enough turnips to recoup your investment and all the rest of it however um, it is also a good way of making money and freeing and, and making money quickly, making a lot of money quickly, frees you up to enjoy, to self-select the parts of the games you want to invest in and spend time in. Mm. Um, but there are uh, dozens of interlocking concerns there, like over-investing and losing the money. Or in my case, the thing that bothers me the most is um, having to, to kind of race to seize you know uh, to take advantage of somebody's you know momentarily high turnip prices mm. and not being able to you know having to coordinate the the logistics of that and the traveling to other islands and stuff and i'm not as bothered about the kind of nintendo jank in the multiplayer as people who play a lot of it and want it to be smoother mm. um or rely on multiplayer a lot 
but I get it. I get why it's frustrating for people. And so what my limit is every, every week at the moment, I find, I set this, you know, goal for myself that I find, uh, an island with turnips for sub a hundred, but I don't worry about too much of being too much sub a hundred. Mm. So in this case, mine for 98, I buy exactly 4,000 because that's 40, uh, stacks. Oh, so it's your maximum inventory. inventory. Yeah, yeah. So I buy one inventory worth of turnips, which means that even if I, I basically only have to ever make one selling trip mm. per week, yeah. um, if I want to, and if I get a good price once I can get rid of everything all at once and then I can move on with the week. And that's the way I kind of keep it kind of sane for myself. But that I think is kind of, you know, and that's one example of this, but I think that's kind of what's interesting about the game psychologically and why I think it can be, it's tricky. Like this stuff is tricky for people in other building and creating games as well, because it's like you have to decide where the boundary is in terms of how much you actually want to try and finesse or control it. Mm. Like as soon as you get the terraforming tool, you can start tweaking, you know, there's that place where you couldn't put a bridge because the angle wasn't quite right because of the, the generated landscape, but now you could change it and you could get that bridge there. And I have purposefully tried to avoid doing that too much because I think I would find it overwhelming. Mm. And one thing that's also interesting about that is you spend, you know, dozens of hours on your starter island, which is unique to you, and you kind of learn its particular personality. And it has a personality. As soon as it becomes something that you have made, mm. it, that becomes your personality. And my personality is often worse than a randomly generated series of lakes and islands. Um, so, <laughs> what do you think you would do? Then? Well, this is the would thing. Would you just have like a row of neat cubes? Or something? Right. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's the choice paralysis, right? Like, yeah. there's something about organically formed shapes that is attractive and gives you something to build on. And I'd rather express my personality by building on it than mm. just you know reshape it completely. So, literally, I've only ever used I've only used the terraforming tool in one place on my island. Well, um, maybe it's, it's yeah, because it's more interesting to see how people solve problems than yeah. it is to see how they create the world that doesn't have them. Right, and and yeah, and like and you know, one thing that I deem a problem is I don't really like fishing through my inventory to grab either the climbing ladder or the vaulting pole. Mm. So I want everywhere on my island to be accessible, just running around because I like holding B and running around and right. shaking trees, but I'm not a big fan of. Um, having to like stop and get the ladder or something like that. Yeah. So the, the only real challenge for that was, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've started getting visited by Red, the bad fox, mm-hmm. the art dealing fox and his little trawler who parks in a cove in the north side of your island, which you'd normally only reach by, um, ladder. ladder. And I was thinking about how to solve this because I like the idea that it's a secluded cove and I don't want to change that about it. Mm. But, um, I'll, I'll show you now. I'll just tell my switch around. This is my solution to, the secluded cove issue. Okay. It's a little cutaway down the mountainside okay. that allows you to, yeah. which I basically cut away a, an L-shaped, a narrow L-shaped bit of island and put a, uh, one of the cheapest ramps, like a stony grass bank down it so that mm. you can actually just run down there. But it's, um, um, leafs in town today. So I'm going to buy some hedge starters and, and wall it off with hedges. And the idea is it's going to be like a little hidden path at the back that leads down to a That's smuggler's cute. cove. You could also maybe put some trees up as well. I could do, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't like having the trees too close together for yeah. some reason no, that's in my fair. brain. Are you? Um, what is leaf selling specifically? Oh, I've just picked up a bench while trying to pick up some. Uh, trying to pick up some weeds. Ooh, a message in a bottle. Marvelous. Um, I'll tell you what leaf selling in a moment, but yeah, and I suppose that's the other side of it. Actually, like as much as we're kind of 
in the end game now in terms of um, building things on the island. It's definitely settled into the sense that this is like kind of a service game and it's going to grow and change and mm. they're going to do tons of new things with it and therefore like this sort of current state of like you know tinkering with an island and, and getting it just so is like punctuated by oh there's a new thing to do for a bit or yeah so a couple of these points actually tie into some of the questions that we've been asked mm. so um i will just sort of boot up those and then yeah. hopefully we can kind of um dig into those so um okay so tom has asked uh the top three things on your wish list for the game or future iterations of the game and like i think something that i hadn't realized that i was into is the service element for this because it kind of helps balance out the time traveling that some people do mm. because even if you travel you know like if if you reset your clock and go every day for an entire year you won't see everything that will actually happen this year because yeah. patches that you need to download don't exist on your machine yet and so you can't um, you can't mess with that too much. So I think, um, but, but something that I would like to see or would like to, to know that or to, to watch Nintendo do mm. is, um, because obviously the, the Southern Hemisphere is at the other end of the year cycle in terms of the bugs that they have and the fish and the, yeah. you know, the, the look of the world and, and things like that. I'm kind of hoping that, by the time we get there organically and by the time they get to where we are organically, that maybe Nintendo will have added some extra things so it won't just be like, oh, I'm seeing the things that mm. I saw happen elsewhere. I, I don't really know how they would balance that in terms of the um, the people feeling like they lost out by playing the earlier version rather than this one, but... Right. Um, I would like to hope that that will be part of the the thing that Nintendo figures out partly as they go, but mm. has a plan for and a roadmap and things as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of other things that I would really love them to add, um, placing furniture on the diagonal. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, there's a few <laughs> items in particular. I've got a, a band room in my loft now. And I can't put my studio lamps on a diagonal. Mm. It's ruining my vibe. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely um, one of the the things that I would love. Um, I wish there was a way to gift friends things with custom designs on them. You can you can send them customized versions of things as long as it uses the game's predetermined recolors of an item or whatever. But um, for example, when I did the the art show thing a, a few weeks ago, I made lots of little magazines to act as pretend show catalogues and customised each of them yeah. to show the person's artwork on one of the pages, which was really cute. And I would have loved to be able to send those to friends as a 
as a souvenir. Um, mm. And I appreciate why you can't. Dicks. But, um, well, but also, like, the storage, you know? Like, mm. if what, what's it pulling from, you know? Right. The, yeah, the yeah, image yeah. and things. But it would have been really nice to, to do that. And the other small, like, quality of life change that I would love them to make is the ability to send either your photos as postcards like your screenshots as postcards mm. or to be able to attach postcards or like pictures as in in your letters to people because right. sometimes people send idea. me things and i really want to just show them look here's me using it or wearing it or like here's yeah. how you knew it was the perfect thing for this room i was creating and and so like this is to show you that and to sort of i guess to to reinforce that it was a really lovely thing yeah right um so i think that's the the other thing that i would love how about you club kk <laughs> you mean like in new leaf or yeah yep uh that's it no um <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk to people about what you liked about that so not uh, everyone will have played yeah so i mean well i mean also i i, I only saw it secondhand over your shoulder pretty much mm. um i i obviously i'm a big fan of kk slider the powerful dog mm. um and uh and just would like him to be present all of the time mm. um he arrives now on saturday night to do a gig and you can ask him to play things and actually they have managed oh this is a bit of an aside but they have managed to uh capture and set off my particular fear of meeting famous people that i admire um, because, um, so, cause I, I have a big, like, don't meet your heroes kind of thing. Um, uh, mostly because the, the shame never dies if you say I do something stupid. Um, that's why I'm afraid of authors. It's a true fact. Um, and, and will flee if one approaches. Um, wow. and, uh, with, with a few exceptions. Um, but the, the point is there's a, there's a feature which is very interesting in this where, uh, KK will sit on a bench outside. I had a weird vibe last night. I had a weird vibe because it's been, pissing it down in two totobon for like a week it's not it's not raining today which is nice two totobon being your island yes, yeah <laughs> exactly that um, clear. and and anyway so it, it's been it's been real rainy it's been real rainy and uh the uh so i've and but you know kk slider shows up anyway sets up his little bank of uh, uh chairs outside the residence center and uh plays songs and doesn't wear any clothes which is kind of amazing um great teeth though great great teeth completely naked and it's you know it's 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 not basically an instagram influencer it, yeah <laughs> it's it's great because it's like it's never explained that he's not wearing clothes and he isn't like because he's a particular kind of animal or anything because Aunt isabel's also a dog and she wears more clothes than most people because most people don't wear trousers and she does <laughs> anyway um doesn't she wear a skirt? She wears a skirt, but you know what I mean? There's nothing, you know, downstairs. Mm. But yeah, even she goes even that far. Anyway, the point is that in when KK comes to visit, you have uh, three individually stressful options um, for me. Uh, and this isn't supposed to sound negative because I had a great time, but it did capture, a, it partly I had a great time because it captured a very specific kind of anxiety, which is you can say, hey, just play what you want. Mm. Which is fine, but indicates that maybe you don't have the power of will or that you're nervous and you never want to see them. You never want them to see you shy or, or make them think that you're afraid of them um, mm. because they feed off that. I understand it. Uh, famous what, dogs? No, oh, okay. authors. Um, 
uh, in this case, musicians. And um, I feel the, like you're thinking of vampires. Yeah, well, so are they half the time, <laughs> stupid authors. Um, oh. Anyway, so uh, the other the other question you can ask him is, hey, well, I'm in this mood. Play a song that's a bit like this. And that's probably the correct answer, because um, there's no wrong answer there, and it shows that you're in touch with your feelings, but still I, I, find, do that. I find that a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. And the other, the other one, the final one, is you can say, uh, well, I'd like, I'd like to request a specific song, which obviously makes sense. Um, and then you can, you have to type in the name of it exactly. <laughs> and I like KK Slider songs. And I, my living room in my Animal Crossing house is nothing but KK Slider records. Mm. Like, there's a lot of KK Slider records in there. Um, and, but, like, the exact, like, spelling and formatting of every title, it's kind of hard to remember. Like, it was important to remember that a lot of them are KK something, but it's always yeah. K dot K dot with no space, mm. for example. But some of them are something KK, for example. Mm. Some of them aren't KK at all. And you have to get it exactly right. If you get it exactly right, he will play it over the credits for you on the mm. guitar. And it's kind of amazing that they've done guitar versions of every track. Uh, I think that's genuinely cool. Um, but the, uh, the, the it's terror. High resource way to get you to watch credits. It is, yeah. I watched those credits quite <laughs> a lot it. of times. I watched them five times last night. But the, the terror here stems from the fact that if you, um, spell it wrong, he plays, he just plays whatever song he feels like playing. And then afterwards confesses to you that he didn't understand what you were asking for. And, um, so just played something normally, which is both kind of kind of him, but sets off the very specific fear I have of like, uh, you know, misspeaking while, you know, utilizing my one opportunity to ask this dog um, mm. to play a song for me. I think maybe I've over litigated this point now, but what I'm saying is it was a roller coaster, a very specific kind of roller coaster. I like Club KK from, uh, from. Oh yeah, that was the question. Yeah, that was the question. <laughs> I like Club KK because it is a cool club where a dog is. Mm. That's my, that's my answer. Okay. I think I, so what you were saying sort of does speak to me because um do you remember when we went to the international for the first time? Yes. Um they were doing loads of like signings and things on the um on the uh concourse outside the mm-hmm. thing. Um and I actually queued up with you to meet um the person who did the voice of a character that I love to play and um while we were there you said to him oh Pip does a really good impression of that and I blanked on the line and I was just like I felt mortified because I couldn't remember it like Mm. I couldn't remember what this character that I played all the time and that I was there to see said <laughs> and like I yeah oh so god I'm sorry I, I did that that's actually the worst thing I've ever done to another human I think it's fu- no I mean it's fine but I just sort of in in a weird way I had that experience so that I just sort of it made me less afraid of it in some ways because it was such an overwhelming <laughs> fail on my part mm. I think there's a chance that he might have actually written it down on the thing I was getting signed wrong because I got it wrong. So he just copied me and wrote it wrong. But um, anyway. Basically, meeting this cartoon dog has brought back a lot of memories for both of us. But Mm. Club KK was a cool club where KK played gigs and did a DJ set. And Mm. I liked it very much, partly because it implied the existence of a kind of Animal Crossing nightlife, uh, which the more kind of... 
a bucolic setting of 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 New Horizons mm. doesn't have like it doesn't have the town that you go to. Yeah, the there was tracks. a lot more of like a main drag. Kind yeah, of exactly. Thing. And there's just um, there are occasionally moments where it implies that these characters have gone clubbing, and that I find that uh, very um, amusing. Well, in the day as well, like you, um, you could go in there, and it was it was a lot like a club in the day. Actually, it felt really like empty and desolate, and but that was where Doctor Shrunk lived, who was the weird comedian axolotl that taught you reactions. Right. Was so yeah, that was um, that was also an interesting thing that I miss a bit mm. you know I, I, th- I do miss those shops so I'm also wondering if they will turn up at some point you know yeah um, yeah I'm, that's I guess would be I think that's all I like I don't really I think I played quite a lot of Animal Crossing like I've played many hours of it now how many hours have I played let's double check since we last checked in about this so I play it every day mm. but not as much as you um, let's have a quick look at my profile on my switch I have played 85 hours of Animal Crossing since it came out. So, yeah, so about... How many hours do you think I've played? Uh, 300. Okay. I'll have a look in a moment. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, like, yeah, so about 15 hours a week, which is two hours a day, basically. Mm. Um, and the... Like, I think a lot of the, the, the sort of little issues that people encounter probably are much more pronounced over with quite a lot of exposure. How many... What is the number? Played for 295 hours or more. <laughs> Not far off. Holy heck. It's exactly. So mm. that's when things start to, to grate a little bit more. Whereas for me, I just kind of want... I want new stuff to show up. And I really like when like the art gallery shows up and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I don't really want there to be things... I don't... I quite like it when something gets added to the game for me to manage in my own time. Mm-hmm. I don't really want another game-consuming scramble. Like the egg... Uh, yeah. Egg situation. Yeah, I think they have uh, learned from the egg situation. But um, so when you are talking about the art gallery, that uh, reminds me there is a, a related question, if I can remember how to unlock an iPad. Right, yes. So um, Dr. Ellie has asked, what did you think about the Red and Blathers art crime thread and also in-game activism generally? And there's a link to the thread, but... Um, if memory serves the the we'll put that in the show notes but mm. the gist of it is that um essentially blathers is turning a blind eye to art theft and things that turn up on the black market and right. you know um sort of adopting an ask no questions uh thing when mm. it comes to um where any of this stuff actually comes from. So I think firstly, yeah, let's let, let's talk about how you feel on on that front if you have any feelings. Yeah, well, so here it's kind of an interesting question because I think as wholesome as it is, Animal Crossing exists in a sort of fascinating gray zone morally. Um <laughs> because I think partly because uh, you know, it's not as it's not without obviously uh, some kind of uh, wit and tonal dexterity in terms of how the characters kind of present their feelings and things, mm. um, which I love very much about it. Um, but obviously it, it is overwhelmingly uh, positive and wholesome and engaging and about enjoying things. Mm. And so the art thing is an interesting example because 
I, you know, I really like that feature. I like that there's a mini game built around effectively identifying fake art based on there being issues with the painting itself rather than it being some random chance or something like that. Mm. Encouraging people and maybe even younger players to Google those pieces of art. Obviously, you could just Google a guide on IGN or something to tell you which, what the problems are with, with the different pieces, the fake pieces. But you, you know, you can, it, it, you could encourage younger players to go look up those pieces of art. And try and do a spot the difference between between what they're looking at on Google Images and what they're looking at in game, and that's very wholesome and a good way of getting kids to engage with you know history of art and stuff. Um, and obviously there are you know there's there are some pieces that are more loaded than others, but you know the history of museum <laughs> sort of museumship and who owns what and who can display what uh, and under what circumstances should things be returned where they came from etc is a really fascinating one in mm. in, in museum craft and uh, something that <laughs> as an english person uh i've seen it got to see a lot of art that probably shouldn't be in this country oh yeah definitely. And, and that and so that and that side of it is a really um interesting angle i'm not sure that it is possible to well and this is the fascinating thing right like Animal Crossing both seems to exist like in our world and parallel uh, to it, mm. where it has all of it has our culture, but with uh, like I think I've said on the podcast before, like almost all of the pain taken away, right. and that that has an interesting reaction, you know, relationship with uh, art because it depicts pieces that come from a very specific moment in history or a specific moment in somebody's life or in the life of a place or a, a culture. But particularly pe- things from before uh, copyright law can yeah, apply. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's uh, all feelings public people, domain. <laughs> public domain feelings people have had throughout history, uh, but obviously divorced from the uh, the cultural context or kind of realness of those things is, that they would actually possess, uh, because presumably these variants on these paintings were produced um, in a world that also had cute wisecracking animals in it. Mm. So could they really have been in that much pain? Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, so I'll actually read the thread out because it's yeah. not that long and I've just brought it up. So um, it's by uh, Max Chesnov- Chesnikov. Um, Animal Crossing's Blathers is an international art thief and war criminal and should face trial <laughs> in the International Criminal Court. A thread. Mm-hmm. It's um, a spicy start. On the 23rd of April 2020, an anthropomorphic fox known as Crazy Red appears on your island offering to sell you art and antiquities at a knockdown price and of a very dubious origin. You are taken to a poorly lit cargo hold on his petrol-chugging ship crowded with hastily concealed crates and asked to make a selection between four types of art, usually paintings or statues. Examples include the Rosetta Stone, the Venus de Milo (laughs) and the bust of Nefertiti all of which were taken from Greece and Egypt in the 18th and 19th centuries and whose host museums have faced several requests for restitution. These images taken from game journalists, blah, 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 blah. Um, This is where it becomes alarming. There is a 75% chance that the artwork on board is counterfeit, which is problematic in itself. But what is even more worrying is that 25% of the goods are the genuine articles. (laughs) Once your shady purchase is made, you're expected to bring your goods to the Island Museum, where its curator, Blathers, takes on a shocking, no-questions-asked approach (laughs) to acquisitions. Proper art, Blathers Hoots. You have fulfilled his cultural and curatorial dreams. 
I believe that's from the um, the opening ceremony. That yeah, you can it is. Trigger via Nook, which mm. I'm passive aggressively not triggering any of those at the moment because that's a power play that matters to no one but me. <laughs> but um, anyway, Good. tell Isabel. Blathers entreats you to continue sourcing art, not just for the betterment of the museum, but for the betterment of all. This universal museum approach has been criticised for its essentially imperialistic aim to appropriate other cultures to enhance one's own. Illicit antiquity can change hands several times before appearing in a museum. Nobody is yet accusing Blathers of knowingly curating illegal um, pieces. However, he is complicit in the convoluted chain of acquisition that has allowed many museums to to obtain illegal fines. When an object is found to be illegal, many institutions are more than happy to repatriate it. For example, the University of Cambridge re- returned the Benin bronze Okukor to the royal family in Nigeria, and the Getty Institute returned 26 objects to Italy in 2006, although there is a legal battle currently being fought by the Getty Institute and the Italian Supreme Court regarding the Getty bronze Blathers does not ask questions, nor to our knowledge does he accept or respond to any requests for restitution. He accepts all art from any source and immediately puts it on display. Under the UNESCO Convention of 1970, Blathers has disregarded his moral and legal duty to pursue due diligence regarding the provenance of his collections, and therefore Blathers, Red and his staff, i.e. you, should be subject to criminal trial in the International Criminal Court. It's a good take. <laughs> I would. So I was thinking about it as you were reading that, and I think I think it's funny because it's like that's a really interesting thread, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know that's that's the sort of thing that you you listen to and you you know um, expand your understanding of of these issues, um, and I think it's cool that Animal Crossing is now such a kind of universal kind of cultural touchstone f- for people that it's a way of exploring those issues and raising them. I'm not sure to what extent it is possible to practice that. Act, the activism that that would suggest within the game mm. beyond simply not participating in it, which I feel like doesn't achieve much. I mean, obviously you're free to participate with as much of, as, of the games you actually want. Um, I quite like collecting the art because it's fun to do the mini game where you figure out what's real and what's not. Mm. And that's a fun way of engaging with those pictures. And, you know, I said earlier that I think that was a good way for children to engage with art for the first time. I think it's a fun way for anyone to engage with art to suddenly, you know, once every couple of days do a, you know, spot the difference mini game with a fox. Mm. Um, so, yeah. out of interest, how do you think I feel about the art and red and all of that stuff? Like, I'm curious because. Mm. So, for, for. I'm going to guess you either hate it or like it. For listeners, <laughs> I have um, a degree in history of art and architecture. And so, my opinions on things sort of tend to pass through that lens and a lot of like accumulated baggage from said degree and also my own sort of (laughs) wonky um, way of thinking about some game mechanics so uh yeah (laughs) uh i'm gonna guess that the feeling is not good okay how do you feel about it well i mean i'm just interested in why um Honestly, because there are two options. <laughs> I'm right, the coin I see, here. yeah. No, I mean, I would say... I, okay, I think there are probably two possible takes here. One is the... Um, I got an oarfish! Sorry. Congratulations. Uh, one is that um, Red is a big lad and, and to be celebrated. <laughs> which is a, a view I can see you holding. Um, the other is that... Uh, uh, 
like Blathers as an agent of the establishment uh, to be uh, lamented. But I think you like Blathers, so that movie doesn't quite hold. Um, let me think. What 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 other possibilities exist here? Uh, there's you could not like having real art in your game, but that doesn't ring true because of the things you've done. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so I have no interest in it. Oh, no. No, no, I mean, sorry, and that isn't to just be, <laughs> uh, you know, because if I had to come down on a side, it would be dislike, mm. but it's for reasons that I... So I like that thread that I just read out, and I think it's... I, I like it because it's a way of... Um, talking about very real issues through the lens of a pop culture thing that I think a lot of people will have some familiarity with this point, uh, with at this point because of lockdown and yeah, right. things. Um, and I think that it makes the point in a jokey, approachable way rather than what Peter tried to do with their, their whatever oh, yeah. that was. Um, Clams feel pain. Yeah. And so, um, I think that that is a valuable thing. Um, a friend, uh, Pat, um, I'll try and link to the thing, but went viral uh, with a tweet, I think, when the museum stuff first opened up with a picture of this kind of empty museum saying something like, oh, look, it's what the British Museum would look like if it returned all its stolen <laughs> goods kind of thing. And, mm. you know, that's... It's a simplified take on the whole repatriation and restitution um, topic. It's very complicated uh, in a lot of ways. Um, And I'm saying that because it's something that I haven't read up on recently and followed the conversations on recently. Um, So I don't want to speak out of turn rather than saying, oh, it's complicated, but, you know, from the point of view of being of a nationality that holds a lot of those things, it's not, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Yeah, it's complicated as a Facebook status, not necessarily (laughs) a political position. But um, so where I'm at with it is, firstly, I hate that the game essentially is telling you a thing is worth having if it's, you know, if if it has this provenance. I think that's disgusting because if you like something, you like it, mm. you know? And I, I think that designating something as fake, you know, like I, I haven't actually even bothered trying it in this game. So I might just be basing this on previous games, but I believe in previous iterations, if you bought something from Red that turned out not to be um, real and you tried to give it to Blathers and Blathers said oh oh my this is not uh, you know a genuine example how terrible you know I must mustn't take this I mustn't touch it I mustn't sully my feathers um, then in your inventory I think it would change its um, label to fake whatever painting mm-hmm. or sculpture or whatever and then um I think if you exhibited it in your house, that would dock points from the Happy Home Academy stuff. And, and I, you know, this is all imperfect memory and stuff, but it, it really speaks to a, a concern with that provenance rather than wanting to surround yourself with something that makes you feel good or interested or that you like because it's a bit wonky or, you know, like I, hmm. 
I don't know, it, it sort of, it ties everything about value to things like being able to trace its authorship and being able to put a, a financial value on something because of that authorship. I And I hate that. I think it's absolutely disgusting and I think it teaches completely the wrong lessons. But also, um, going up to the museum itself, I haven't bothered because I haven't even bothered going in that room um, because I figured I saw a few screenshots online, including the one that Pat posted, and it just looked like... <sighs> A nonsense place for nonsense because I, I just have no interest in seeing yet another very museum-y space mm. and nothing sort of being and this is unfair because I haven't been in tell you what, shall I go to the museum yeah. now for the first time I'll stop chatting to Timmy and Tommy um, in other news, everyone on my island has taken to calling me biscuit oh, I'm burrito No. Oh. Mm. nice thank you I'd rather like that than, yeah, than some of the other things that they tried. <laughs> uh, I also taught them to say friendo. That's very good. <laughs> Which is quite cute. Good present. Okay. Yeah, I, I, can sort of see, I can see where you're coming from. Again, for me, it sort of hits the... I don't know, it's such a fascinating thing because there's the, you know, the the game is about acquisition of stuff and... Uh, is always going to hit some themes there and is about even the paying off of debts and the, you know, it, and, and there's an element, there's a, there's a through line of parody to the whole thing and, and of, uh, I guess safe play within a, 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 a you know, a series of structures that can be very stressful or, or even uh, directly harmful to people in real life. I hate it. I'm annoyed by it. Okay, cool. I'm in. Um, <laughs> I, I think, Ultimately, As in, I'm in the building. Yeah. I'm in conceptually. Sorry. Um, it's yeah, it's such an interesting thing. I, I I just I wondered to which there's just a a limit to which the values that Animal Crossing teaches are are transferable to real life in that way. Like that's this is a half formed thought, but I genuinely wonder at the um, to what extent. Because I, I guess my my view of it was, it's cool to get kids to look closely at paintings, and this game mechanic about fakes and not fakes is directly about looking closely at the image and actually paying attention to the details of the image, and and you know looking at a painting for more than a couple of seconds and moving on from it, and that I think is very positive. Um, the weighting of value and what we what we see is uh, valid or invalid. I can definitely see your point there, mm. um, but I think that's also something that the game tremendously supports, like setting your own goals and attributing value to the things that you care about in almost every other regard. And, it, and it, it, from a design point of view, it's trapped in some interesting kind of little cul-de-sacs there because it kind of, you know, it has any, there's obviously the designers feel the need to give it some structured challenge. So there is the happy home Academy and there is, um, you know, ratings to pursue and things like that. Um, and I, you know, like we said earlier, there was a point where you were worried that those were going to, punish you for playing the game you wanted to play and then turn out they don't really because they're actually really it's really easy to hit all the milestones that you need to hit to the gate content um so i would be really interested to know if any if, if people actually came away feeling like fake art was 
worthless or or anything like that or if they behaved in the same way they do towards everything else which is this sort of defiant well i like it so i'm putting it in my basement screw the happy home academy kind of attitude i think it's yeah i just i don't know i think it's more that it just feeds into an uncomfortable undercurrent that i'm aware of in real life yeah. and and underlines it and doesn't do anything to really challenge it so having like i'm in the space now and something that i do really like is the the faithfulness like even down to how the floors look you know and mm. the the way the lighting is arranged like they've got such a great eye for setting up those spaces and um acknowledging the details that make them that mm. but something that i will say is that i so okay i think the game is kind of ha- hamstrung by copyright in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. i think that um after so many years of both actual sort of gallery visits and also animal crossing i'm just sick of seeing the same artworks lauded again and again in that way you know like there's artworks that will always be in every animal crossing game and it it bothers me far more than oh they've got the same bugs again or you know like Mm. the same fish to a large extent um it's i think it's more just that like oh this again just feels a bit right okay well right fine same names same people same guys you know in a Mm. lot of cases and um so that that's one element of it like it doesn't feel vibrant to me in a lot of ways it feels quite stale both in terms of its own legacy and franchise and in terms of like art discourse as well Mm -hmm. um and the other thing is that like so in the other spaces in the museum you've got so you've got the the fossils you've got the bugs you've got the fish and all of those spaces feel like they have been able to pay attention to more current approaches for exhibiting things and creating those spaces like the the aquarium space has a lot of um like accessibility touches that are really lovely and i've immediately noticed that there are no ramps in the in the museum space um there's also like the the sense that you see these fish in context like they're in tanks dedicated to particular types of water right there's like mm. things that are in brackish water there's things that are in like a kind of pond type tank you know things like that whereas i'm in this exhibition space and there's no feeling for what the the journey might be or the context like i i the one exhibit that I do have in here um, is like it, it, it tells you. Oh, actually, that's interesting. <laughs> <gasps> I'm more interested now. What what happened? So I was looking at it and thinking it would just do the the usual donated by kind of mm-hmm. thing, but actually, uh, so academic painting, um, which. Uh, I think a lot of people will recognise, maybe they might not be able to name, but it's um, Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that looks like a man in a hamster wheel. Yeah. uh, Or a Zorb. Zorbing, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it actually tells you, like, the dates and things, and uh, as you sort of press A, it comes up with, this drawing is based on the ideal human body ratio, ideal in uh, air quotes, as stated in De Architectura. 
Uh, Diarchitecture was treatised by Vitruvius, an architect from the early 1st century BCE. And that... Okay, yep. fair. It's like, like you get I'm, facts with all the um, bugs and the Yeah, like that, that kind of changes it slightly for me because I was looking at this space and thinking, well, it will just be everything like lumped together. Like, what, you know, yeah, yeah. everything just runs into each other. So, do you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to let it percolate for a bit longer, but those were my initial misgivings. That's why I didn't bother, you know. Mm. I, I actually haven't really bothered going into Red's tent, and I don't, you know... Good I, furniture selection, worth it for the furniture. I think the my... M- the way I was thinking I would approach it is to go on, just buy things that I liked and put them in my house, and yeah. just not bother with the museum at all, but maybe I should actually, like, see how it s- sort of develops. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, the other thing I was going to I was going to say on this, particularly on the kind of moral dimension of Animal Crossing, because I know that people have tried to find alternate ways of um, engaging with the economy of the game, mm-hmm. you know, in protest of the kind of acquisitive capitalism that is practiced by the Nook family. I there's something about it for me that do they do you think? Well, I don't know, anyway, but like yeah. I'm I'm not echoing my own beliefs there. Um, but like. Um, what I find kind of interesting about it is I quite like being able to play in a space where animals are sometimes bastards. Mm-hmm. Like I quite, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing feels a bit like, like, a, you know, probably like a money laundering operation for Tom Nook and by which I mean the, the happy getaways package or whatever it's called. Mm. And there's, Oh, a little bath in the shop. I'll buy that. Um, and I, you know, I find the whole thing quite charming and I find it charming when it has these weird little rough edges and things. And maybe this is speaking from a position of perversion. I should I should be mindful of that. But part of me quite enjoys the, just the sort of the the daftness of it and the little moments where it seems to flare into like, is Tom Nook manipulating me or is Blathers an international art criminal? Mm-hmm. Give it give it a little bit of personality, honestly. And that's and you know I, I totally get what you're saying about maybe it being a very samey collection of art based on what is and isn't um, in the public domain. Mm. Um, but I don't know, like the, the the feeling that you're engaging with the sort of the the, the happy smiley tanuki face of a kind of instant, you know, you know it's like culture spanning mafia operation. <laughs> I find quite charming, really. Um, more so than other kind of life sims and games where there's there's not that little sort of twinkle in its eye or that sort of tongue in its cheek necessarily. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think my position is it's fun to think about the actual consequences of what uh, people do, but it shouldn't, uh, it wouldn't affect my enjoyment of it much, I don't think. So you mentioned um, Tom Nook and the whole sort of Nook uh, empire, I guess. That maybe leads us to the question of, um, let me see if I can find it. It was... Curses. Can't you lost the question. Oh, no, it is by Jeff, uh, who asks, do the crossings exist in the same world sequentially or in parallel universes? If in the same world, what made Isabel and Tom move from one crossing to the next? So I'm assuming they mean in terms of the actual franchise order rather than each Well, of this the, is the it, thing. So yeah, there are, two, or... there are two ways of viewing that. One is... Because obviously every every island has a set of the same characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, I guess you'd be best positioned to talk about sequentially over the course of the series. Because it is implied that it, the other stuff has happened before, right? Mm. 
But, like, they don't have any memory of you, you know, and they don't have any... But are you the same person? I mean... Um, <laughs> philosophically, or yeah. literally, or... I mean, I'm ship of Theseusing my way through life, mm. cellular level, kind of... Oh, so, so we all. I mean, um, yeah, maybe, like, I mean, it's the story of one person's kind of wholesome teleporter accident, where you're kind of <laughs> annihilated and remade. Um, I, I think I, I mean, obviously they are viewed as being part of the same universe by the community. Otherwise people's law would get thrown out, yeah. you know, like instance by instance. And, you know, there's definitely a feeling of knowing the characters, but there is a kind of, I don't know if it, it feels more like when, people have different um, franchises of a fast food chain or something, you mm. know? Like, for example, if, if you had a pizza, pizza Hut franchise, you know, it's the same ingredients, the same menus, the same, you know, general wisdom from head office that gets fed down, the same deals, all of that stuff. But the the manager's approach is maybe slightly different. The mm. staff are obviously different. The location is a bit different. So you might need to like organize the tables differently and mm-hmm. the, the routes around and also like where you advertise would be different, you know, that kind of stuff. It feels more like that to me because, you know, I, I guess to quote, whatever it is, Bioshock, you know, there's always a Tom Nook. There's, there's always, always an island, a, yeah. Um, not like I, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's, you know, that there's a shared shape of Mm. the game and then Nintendo kind of plays around with it. I'm not sure if I feel like that's parallel universes though. It's more, I think it's also one of those things the very Nintendo thing to say here would be also it's a video game. Yeah, I mean. and and that's but the game you know the game sort of like it, it plays kind of loosely with that like mm-hmm. uh, Wilbur um, the dodos actively acknowledge that it's a game mm. when they talk about connecting you to online play and things like that um, and Nintendo games often do things like that they kind of don't they don't treat breaking the fourth wall as a an issue really there's an acknowledgement that what you're doing is engaging with a piece of entertainment and you know, like, I'm trying to describe it exactly. Like, it's a bit like when you go to someone else's island and you talk to Timmy and Tommy and they go, oh, wow, you've come all the way here. Mm. That's great. Completely, you know, not acknowledging the fact that there's a Timmy and Tommy on your island as well. Yeah. Um, or if they know where you are, why do they not know about this infrastructure? Right. Or like, if you're, so if you're on a plane and you go to, you know, so if I get a plane yeah. driven by Wilbur, to your island, then Wilbur docks that plane where mm. and hangs out in the break room with who? Right. <laughs> and, you know, like, mm. so, and, and gr- radio communicates with. <laughs> yep. And like, yeah, and it's, it's sort of fun because it's like, like, I think it, it, the, the good, uh, answer it suggests to a lot of these questions are why are you asking this? It's a game about decorating your house. And evading the predatory, uh, you know, debt intentions of a raccoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, there's an element to which it, it invites you to not worry mm. quite so much, uh, which I appreciate. 
I don't know, I just, I feel like the debt is kind of meaningless to me at this point. It's like, it feels like... real life, really. Well, I mean, in real life, it's because things like my student loan are actually accumulating faster in terms of interest than I can pay it off. Yeah. So that's very much like, well, I there is no way that I can even conceive of this amount of money at this point. So mm. I guess it's I just real. won't, and I'll just keep paying it yeah but, um then i think that so but in this reality for me it's more that he's putting a price tag on these things but it's never out of reach he never really bothers you he's not like mm. fussed about getting it back and it reminds me a lot more of parents giving you busy work so that you could earn your pocket money or whatever right. and then you know like so that you sort of have that vague sense of money in exchange for effort and mm. like get that sense of value of time or whatever but like without it really mattering if you don't do the thing like if you don't do your yeah. dishes you don't get 50p okay you know I, I didn't get 50p for doing dishes at all but that's you know an example yeah. or you know mow the lawn and get 70p or something right. you know it's um so I don't know, I kind of figure it's a bit more like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing to remember. I think, uh, as as we've said before, when we've been recording this little podcast, it's obviously predominantly a game for depressed millennials. But it is also a game for children. Mm. And it has a big element of playing house in it. And playing house is kind of about adopting the the tropes of adulthood without mm. the depth or consequences. And that is a big part of Animal Crossing, I think. You know, it... You know, you've got bills to pay, but they're not real <laughs> bills. It's just something a raccoon wants you to do. Should I run through some more questions? Yeah, go for it. Just because, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Chris has asked, uh, what are your favourite KK songs? Well, so I have a different KK song in a different room in my house at the moment. Uh, yeah, a big, of course you do. A big fan of KK Jazz. Um, big fan of KK Metal because it's a departure for him. That's, uh, and it's fun to play along with on the musical instruments that uh, adjust their tone to match the song that's playing in the background. Um, so that's a winner. Um, I uh, the, the, there's a lot of good ones. I like KK Cruising. Um, I like KK. Let me see. see about getting some. God, there's so many. Um, I've forgotten the name of the KK drum and bass is good. KK Scar is very good. I'm going to... Bubblegum KK is a perennial fave amongst yeah. the community, I believe, so... It's a, it's a hit. I, I could definitely see it. And then, well. yeah, what... I, I'm a big fan of KK Cruising, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the sort of more gangster rap kind of direction for that dog. Mm. He's wearing a lot of clothes in that album cover as he well. He is, yeah. That's the thing. This is one of the other important things about KK is it's fully established in the album covers that he can and will wear clothes. He's just choosing not to when he visits you, which is a power play. I've been, I, I think I've been playing quite a lot of KK flamenco recently, mm. which very respectable. It's, uh, it's something about the tempo and that I find very pleasing. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> 
but yes so uh that is always good but i i prefer telling uh kk what mood i'm in when yeah. he visits my island so but mostly that has been grumpy or sad so mm. i i don't know whether that's a tenable I said, I, well this is i had, I had a very powerful moment with him that's returned to why it's nerve nervous and exposing talking to this dog um but i i was talking to him yesterday and i assumed the option where you, you say i don't really know how i'm feeling um was just a way of going back to the previous menu so mm. that you could ask for something specific. Uh, it's not saying I don't know how I'm really how I feel or how to how to articulate my feelings. Um, uh, he actually accepts and he plays something anyway. So KK therapy. Well, <laughs> KK, my my therapist apparently. Um, you know, so that was that was again. I felt powerfully seen uh, oh, by wow. a naked dog. <laughs> Well, uh, Dr. Henry has asked, uh, what is the best fossil, the objectively goodest bones that you need in your museum and also your faves? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm almost done with in... the fossils. I've all, I've got four left that I don't have. Ooh. So, um, I think, I think T-Rex skull is the most exciting word to, phrase to see. Mm. Um, it also, um, if you exhibit it, outside the museum uh, I think that and the triceratops skull open and close their mouths if you interact with them those are yeah, I was, the other one I was going to say was triceratops skull so yeah I think those would be my two picks I mm. mean it's, they're fairly they're fairly f- vanilla dino picks but I mean don't mess with the classic mm. I'm just having a look at my museum uh, well, I like there's corporalite in there it's just yeah it's just ancient poo Oh. Yeah, no, I'm just I, I I'm immediately just uh, caught by the Jeremiah, mm. um, which is like the tiny, the tiny little one that's just next to the Demetrodon in the museum. And I, I, I think something that is really strong is that I do find a new thing to look at each time I go in, which is amazing. Mm. Um, and the museum, I think, is one of my favourite spaces in the whole game. So um, I am very into that. I appreciate that's not a, a succinct or useful answer, but I think that the fact that it changes on mm. a regular basis and the ones that I want to exhibit change uh, externally on the island is awesome. Um, okay, cool. So Tom asks, oh no, we did that earlier. Um, Vicky has said, um, I recently discovered Judy loves to sing. Have you found any other villagers with hidden talents? What incidents have really brought villagers to life for you? And, um, goes on to recount an anecdote, uh, in my DMs, which was adorable, um, because I just shared about, um, I caught a flea on Frita and then I, uh, when I spoke to her, there was the option to gift her something. So I passive aggressively <laughs> gave her flea back and then she told me she would name it Pip. And I was like, touche, Frita. You got roasted by a sheep. I did. Um, but so Vicky says, I also wanted to describe a complex story, but it's too long for a tweet. Igly asked me to give him a flea I had found. He then kept the flea in a box in his house for a few days. Then he was walking around flea infested. When I caught the flea off him, he said, thanks for catching my flea so like did he intend to be flea infested <laughs> is he just walking around with his pet flea crawling all over him what a weirdo <laughs> i really love that idea that like he was asking for a flea so that he could like self infect mm. 
like it, it kind of reminds me of those bedroom like Victorian scientists who would just infect themselves with things yeah. and then see what happened because they were their own test subject for a lot of things. <laughs> So I, I really love that. Um, in terms of villages, uh, I, uh, Frita is my one who loves singing and she's the best. Mm. Um, I can't think in terms of other talents though. Like, I, I think it's more just sort of seeing them go about their little business because I, I've actually found that in terms of the dialogue, often that's when the fiction of the villager breaks down a bit for me, especially with crafting, like, the the lines of you know oh the bugs told me to or mm. um maglev mike kind of that yeah. one episode of the one reality tv show in the entire game that gets referenced by any peppy villager mm. like that's when i really see that they're not you know unique people. but if i see you know like my darling dum-dum benjamin trying to water the sea that was very or good. like wandering around with his little shopping bag it's like the greatest thing and patty always looks like um a lady off to church when mm. she's got her like um her when she had her egg outfit on specifically every easter that was amazing so it's it's more just seeing them go around their business that makes me think of them as these lovely characters rather yeah. than ciphers or stand-ins for item exchange how about you i mean i like i have actually been i haven't had too much singing going on in my village i think for whatever reason it's because you've hoarded all the kk in your house that's true um i'm about to put <laughs> jukebox outside um i i do have a good selection of very sort of um sort of arty snooty villagers and complete idiots which mm. is a nice balance to strike um in terms of uh, i just i mean while we were we were we've been playing and recording this i did see a good conversation between um between mira the superhero rockstar rabbit and uh lyman the sporty koala i love they, lyman they had so a, much. a a breath holding competition oh. with which mira won um <laughs> <laughs> hang on <laughs> Like, is Lyman trying to kill Mira? <laughs> no, she won she, because she's got a rock star scream. Right, Whereas he thinks, he thinks that pecs are the same as lungs because he's an idiot. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, there's... Um, I don't know, I kind of like this little moments. I, I think the, the moments of the personalities come through again, and not the, the, a lot of the written stuff is fun. Mm. But it's when you get, like, one of the kind of amazing... Like you said, like, Benjamin watering the sea, or uh, Frita calling the... the um, the thing pip like my two my two dipshit villagers are uh filbert the squirrel and flurry the hamster oh i love them and they so both much. like while you're midway through the story the story while you're midway through the kind of you know trying to get kk to come play mm. uh villagers come up to you and go like i hear you're still trying to do this here's a present to help you decorate the island here's a piece of furniture mm. and every time day after day they would just give me the worst stuff it'd be like a garbage bag a bin a plastic <laughs> bottle one of them had found and it, it, it the they had i don't know whether that's something that's based on their personality type or if mm. it's just kind of the luck of the draw on my part but it was great because it was like you're really not helping but but bless you for thinking this is what I want or need. Or is it bless your little heart is the yeah. southern way of uh, yeah. expressing that emotion. I, um, yeah, mine did something similar, but the object they tried to give me was, they were like, oh, everyone could gather round this to enjoy KK. And it was like a bike. 
And I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand why that wouldn't move around. Like, what? what yeah, exactly. Oh, you people. Um, so Russell asks, what is your favourite size of rug? And I will probably just stick with whichever one I'm trying to sell you for tickets uh, at that particular moment. <laughs> mm. It's large. I like a big rug. I, I like I like being able to mix my rugs and my carpets for interesting effects. I feel like I don't have a favourite size of rug because my favourite size of rug would be one you can lay outside. And there is no good reason to me why you can't lay a rug outside. Right. Um, so yes, that is a work in progress. That's another thing that can add to the list of things I'd like to see in Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, Osoha asks, uh, what are your wand outfit names if you have any? I only recently set some up because I now have too many clothes, so I might as well. So allow me to, I'm gonna find This is a good question to ask me, a man who's wand. currently configuring a wand outfit. Oh, nice. I'm going to go home and actually get my wand out of storage because I barely what? use it. What? The best item in the game? I don't care for it. I've got two fishing rods. <laughs> Why would I want a wand? That's, that makes no sense to me whatsoever, but fine. Live, live whatever life you call this. Well, then you should be a good person for answering. Yeah, right. Well, so I... I realised... So the, the Oh, thank you for KK March, by the way. That's quite right. Just, uh, um... That. I find that the 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 true um, the true power of the wand system, which allows you to basically store an outfit and then summon it back uh, in order to um, uh, to kind of change your entire look with a magical flourish and then declare the name of the outfit, uh, is actually a really good way of creating shorthand phrases mm. um, uh, uh, punctuated by an outfit change, which is a great way to express yourself. So I have treated mine more like an emote wheel. I'm just going to yeah, cancel this Yeah, yours side. are like a continuation of but reactions, aren't they? They are, yeah. So, um, so for example, uh, you know, so for example, instead of saying hello to someone if they visit, mm. I can declare bonjour mon capitaine, at which point I turn into a sailor in golden hot pants of course or i can i can you know react to something by going boy howdy and turn into a cowboy (laughs) um or i can um declare that the party bus is coming and change into some disco pajamas um i can uh if someone is is looking at something on my island i can declare smash that like button and transform into a gen (laughs) zia I did not know where my wand was for the longest time. I'm just like, I'm just digging it out of storage. I'm like going through all the mm. tabs, going, where is it? What was it? <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then for a very specific mood that I'm often in, I can declare that the third high is opened and turn into a wizard. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I've got my wand. Uh, found that. So apparently my first one is called Open Wide. Uh, so <laughs> let's fun. find out what that is. Oh, okay. Turn into a dentist. A dental nurse, yeah, or a dentist. So that's... Oh, good. Well done, me. That was some well-thought-out stuff. Oh, then there's Pip Pippington, mm-hmm. which, you know, is uh, my cranky Victorian uh, scientist um, character. Oh, there's... Do you want to see what they are and see if you can identify them all? Nearly Reddy is turning into wearing a, ba- a, a bath towel. <laughs> yes. Which is very you. mm who does disturb me? Oh, that's a mummy. Yep. Okay, good. Mew turns you into a cat. 
Kind of a Cheshire cat, cat in kind pajamas. Of thing, I guess. I don't the know. The cat's pajamas. Oh, and then there's like a magic look, which, um, thanks to certain books, now is probably like just a shabby Slytherin uniform. But mm. I um, maintain that I like being a green graduate, which, um, in my own time and far beyond the scope of the books and their lifespan. So. Sure. Um, Seems yeah. Reasonable. So those are my, my things. I think, so you've gone with titles for your outfits that are far more part of the mood, whereas mine are like just phrases I associate with the, the outfit itself. Yeah, like right. they're more kind of, when I tell you I'm nearly ready and that's absolutely guaranteed that I don't have trousers on at that point. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> possibly don't. Well, no, as in like to leave the house. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, and you're going, you're downstairs, you've got keys in hand, you've got a coat on, you've got a scarf, you've got, you know, you're checking your phone for the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm nearly ready. I'm, I'm, I'm about to uh, get my socks on. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to get my socks on, but also the rest of my clothes and my handbag and all of the other stuff is uh, a work in progress. Um, so uh, Elliot Metzen asks, do you feel the turnip exchanges against the spirit of the game? It seems to remove all element of risk from the stalk market by virtually guaranteeing you a mega return on your initial turnip outlay. Do you think there may be steps taken to limit that in the future? Um, that's actually like a really big question. So maybe that's something we come back to next time. Maybe? Unless I mean, you it's not, to... I don't, I don't know if it's that big a question because it's okay. like, um, well, at least in my view, like, I don't think it does because I don't think anything, I don't think it matters that much because it's, it's a participatory thing. If people want to make a ton of money, like they stepped in to reduce the interest rates to mm. stop people from just generating money automatically over time. Um, but the turnip market is still, pretty participatory you still have to actively play the game every day to get the best results and and be proactive about finding the best options i don't so i don't think it does much harm really but i think um but turnip exchange is that actual website that um people use for seeking that out and queuing and all of that stuff right and so that that's sort of the so the way i put it is this there's a quasi kind of mmo-ishness to that the, the functionality of the website uh, that steps in for the functionality of the game itself doesn't provide. And that's kind of interesting um, because what obviously what players want. The um, What I would say about the... Because obviously the question is specifically about the fact that that, that um, website takes away some of the risk associated with being able to find someone who has good prices in time because ultimately it gives you access to the span of the, the community or at least the community that's willing to participate with it. That's the part that I don't think is a problem. Um, because it's still very actively participatory. It's not passive uh, wealth acquisition. It's it's very active, actually. It requires players to be playing quite a lot and to be uh, mindful of having enough money to invest and, and all the rest of it. Um, the existence of the functionality, I think, carries some risk. Like, it allows for griefing. Uh, it allows people to lie about what they've got, and people have documented the ways in which people can scam other players and things like that. And that is definitely against the spirit of the game, but I don't know how you uh, litigate against that without um, harming or putting even more restrictions on multiplayer that would would harm the experience of everybody else. So I don't know if there's much that can be done about it other than players eventually educating themselves that these websites are not necessarily the safest way to make profit every 
every month versus being part of a group of friends, for example, who actively, you know, find deals for each other or let each other know when they've got a good price. I think that's my view on it. I think for me, the main big concern I've seen about uh, Turnip Exchange specifically, and I'm I'm saying this based on things that I've read uh, rather than on specific in-depth knowledge that I've personally mm-hmm. researched or anything. So hopefully uh, I'm not speaking too much out of turn, but um, is that people aren't certain what data it's accessing when it's looking at your account because clearly it can know things like how many people are on your island for like the queuing and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's more a kind of, because it's a third party thing, there yeah. isn't the transparency of what it's accessing, what it's using that for, you know, that, that kind of thing is, mm. is what I've seen people asking for or trying to, trying to figure out. And the other thing I would say is that I think it's, it's a useful thing for Nintendo to know that people are so desperate for that functionality and yeah. will, you know, spend real money trying to make that system work for them rather mm. than, you know, use it in whatever way Nintendo kind of hoped they would or tried to nudge them towards. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I think I'm worried about is that Nintendo's approach to online essentially feels very restrictive, very sort of geared around keeping things family friendly, which is very understandable, but also can manifest as like a kind of a parent who won't even let you have the basic trust to do small things or like it's resulted in some incredibly clunky systems, which I wonder whether they the clunkiness is actually part of Nintendo trying to control people's willingness to interact with them loads i, I would um, my my argument would be that the 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 multiplayer systems and, and safety is, is obviously a very big thing and is almost always a factor in multiplayer design nintendo games my my argument would be that the um the multiplayer is calibrated for a kind of intensity of play that doesn't really match up to how people are actually playing animal crossing like the um it's you know it is perfectly fine for you know a visit to your friend's island every now and then, or even like once a day or something like that. And it, and it doesn't fall apart, but it gets frustrating if, if it, if it gets substantially more than that. But I mean, it also isn't calibrated towards multiple people coming to the trip. Right. You know, like it, I think the, the thing that really winds me up with that and that I think they should have foreseen, like obviously they can't foresee the, the lockdown happening and people's response to that being to be on Animal Crossing a lot, visiting each other. But I think that something that they did do was make people visit, um, you know, like make Leaf turn up on people's islands at different times, make Sahara yeah. turn up on different days. And so there is an incentive to go and speak to these NPCs or, or different outfits or different stock in Tommy and Timmy's store. And mm. as soon as you get there, if you start a conversation and someone else tries to join or leave or whatever, then you have to quit out of that conversation or the yeah. game's pestering you the whole time or you know that you're making someone else's day harder, you know, because they can't get in or can't get out. And mm. and so they've essentially said, 
you should go to other islands to interact with these people and do these things and and pick up these resources but we're also making it so that you can't be in a conversation if someone else wants to to be playing in that same space or is attracted by the same thing yeah and also the dialogue especially with sahara is really long or mm. or or if you're in the changing room in the tailors and so trying to even if you are like the the person who always quits out of conversations so someone can join or leave or whatever which i try and do like it can actually just be impossible to exit that thing with yeah. enough like speed that the interaction can kick off and so you're sat there waiting for the next thing to happen and it's like oh well, i shouldn't go back in the changing room because i guess someone will try and join again or so i think things like that they should they should have known that it would be clunky and problematic because, you know, I, I think you should have more streamlined dialogue if someone has their gates open because you should have to, mm. you know, like, if yeah. Yeah, I can sort of see that. I think I think it's interesting. I, I think the length of the dialogue is an interesting issue because, um, again, it's like they've gone for theme and expressiveness of those characters over efficiency of of getting stuff out of the system which makes i can see both arguments basically mm. it's, it's what the it's, it's sort of what the the pace of animal crossing is intended to be versus what people want which is embodied in a few different things including time travel and other things where it's like actually i want all this now i don't mm. want to play i don't want to play in you know it is you know they must have a sense of the kind of use cases for a bunch of different user types but it feels like the the one of the core goals is we, you know, fundamentally reward the person who switches this on for an hour a day, mm. um, which, you know, it feels like it's rhythm and a lot of its loops are calibrated around. There's a few things that I would like to know from a technical point of view that I think it's very concerned with. I think one of my instincts from the way that it's the decisions that it makes in terms of when it halts your progress or asks you to stop uh, is it seems very concerned, I think, with not losing your progress. Mm. Um and I get the, the, I might be completely wrong about this from a technical point of view, but it feels like one of the reasons that it kind of wants to stop everybody and stop any transaction in process whenever anyone connects and disconnects is probably not protection against duping. It's probably, it feels like it's protection against something going wrong and mm. losing everyone's progress. The, the thing that would really hurt people is, oh, I lost my bells or I lost my item or something like that. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't know if that's something to do with its, um, save system or the way that it uh, has to account for being both a mobile game with potential battery issues and a uh, sort of traditional um, like you know TV console game like there's a whole bunch of different factors there and it feels like it absolutely prioritizes having all of its ducks in a row before it does anything that could potentially endanger your save file particularly Um I don't know how, like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not close enough to the, you know, the architecture of the game to say that that's definitely what's going on, but it, it feels to me like, and, it, and also that is a totally solvable problem. Mm. You know, other games have, many games have done the same thing, but I do wonder if that's a factor that, um, or at least it is a, is a factor in the Nintendo priority list that doesn't get kind of acknowledged as quite as much, which is that like they are, you know, it has to be absolutely rock solid in terms of not losing your progress. And it has to do that crucially 
I presume without a centralized service, like it, you're not, you know, it is a game that has to be playable offline. Um, and therefore the moments where it connects or with potentially sporadic internet and therefore the moments where it connects have to be kind of preserved. It's not an MMO, mm. uh, where you're constantly, uh, your progress is constantly being saved to a cloud server or something like that. All of that stuff I think has a bearing on what they can and can't do. And they're definitely erring on the side of safety, like to the an extreme is, degree. I mean, I get that because especially like with the family friendly kind of attitude, you know, I would always rather that. You know, for example, if I was putting my, like, young relatives down in front of something to play, you know, I, mm. I've had moments in, you know, uh, things that were aimed at kids or, or marketed towards kids, like, just a really simple alphabet, like, puzzle game, and then suddenly G is for gun, and you're like, yeah. holy heck, no, um, that is not what my, you know, baby... Uh, niece is gonna learn today thank you um but so it's this thing where like i i do get and actually support that impulse but i think that i wish that nintendo were more transparent about what was happening and why Mm. because i think too often right now a lot of these decisions to me are feeling frustrating and I'm seeing that again and again with friends as well including I mean you know, maybe it's actually particularly because they are often uh game designers and things but like the fact that so many people are just like why does it have to be this way with you know like there are industry solutions to some of these problems already like mm-hmm. why is it why is it being this way or getting in the way of something it seems to want me to achieve in this way. Um, yeah. Like, I think that's the thing where I would super appreciate just, you know, and it's not really Nintendo style, but a blog about it or like a kind of, oh, hey, you know, that's why this thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just need the protection. And maybe as soon as they say that, that will open them up to armchair, yeah. you know, Reddit game designers saying well actually do it like this or that or whatever but anyway um so yeah that's a bit in terms of the turnip exchange i would say that i think the thing that worries me is that nintendo will see it and will panic and shut it down for you know potentially incredibly reasonable reasons like if it's data mining or if it's you know and, and i have no evidence of that just you know um, or even if they're just not sure because it's a third party app that's maybe doing things that the terms of service don't permit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I guess the, the, the worst thing, the worst result for me would be that Nintendo shut it down and, but don't learn anything. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I suspect that even if they shut down whatever, uh, you know, system or API was being used to, actually connect sites like that to to game information then players would still use websites to coordinate selling and buying turnips mm. and and, uh, and things like that they just would like that you can't shut that down i mean it's because, all over twitter isn't you know, it really without without removing the dodo code system you you couldn't do that mm. and so i think like you know unless there's like a serious terms of service violation there's almost no point in nintendo trying to to switch it off mm. what they can do and the way they would ultimately beat it and maybe provide a safer way for players to engage with that would be to acknowledge the need and incorporate something like that into the game 
Um, yeah. Because you just make you make it easier to access a safer option, and the entire player population would go that way. Like, and and that's I think ultimately the only thing they can do. Something that I would really like is um, some ability to coordinate with best friends to share a calendar, almost like yeah. that you. Because the game has a little in-game messaging system that you can kind of use, but it's it's kind of hidden enough and it's fleeting enough that I think most people would miss it, but. What I would really like is the ability to maybe pin, you know, one notice on my friend's notice board a week, mm. you know, to either to alert them of a, an in-game thing I'm planning on doing or to um, to highlight, you know, like a turnip price thing or that yeah. a, a villager is selling a recipe or is um, giving out a recipe that they really need for something. Like mm. I'd, I'd love to be able to coordinate that kind of stuff using in-game fiction ways. Um, yeah. But anyway. I mean, the other thing they could do is, like, add, bring, you know, Gulliver back in a different form every now and then, uh, where, or you can call him up and get him to deliver the, the things you want to sell on someone else's island, and you give him the dodo code, and he goes off and does yeah. it. I mean, like, I'd love to be able to send out a message in a bottle, you know? Yeah. Because that's a system that they've got where the in-game fiction is that other animals on on islands are sending out recipes that they have learned and want to just put out into the ether to whoever yeah. finds them and so just be you know like if, if you were able to put out some useful information maybe even just from a a preordained template you know like a, a you know you you say oh it's tommy and timmy's you know a, a, you know like having a, a thing that you could pre-fill in mm. or that's pre-filled and and just you know like oh, i just want to alert my friends that that um tommy and timmy insert are, are you selling turnip uh, you know yeah, right. turnips at this amount or like are selling that the arcade game cabinet that you really wanted for this amount of money you know like mm. that that kind Dark Souls of dark stuff anyway um Yes, and the the last of the uh, of the questions is also a, um, a, a a look at someone's village. So mm, yes, you want to uh, lean over? Yes. Um, we didn't actually get others this week, so obviously, if that's something you're interested in, um, tweet some pictures of your island at me or at the main account, uh, along with your name and pronouns, and we can have a little look at them on air. Um, but this is uh, Stan, uh, and uh, he has sent over like a, a really oh, cool, cool uh, improvised train uh, that he's been making uh, using household objects because there aren't trains in the game and it's sitting on what look like um, custom design train tracks that must have um, either been a, a personal creation or from uh, an online uh, code which are really cool um, and, and I really love that it looks like it's made from um, like maybe some trolleys and things with some cardboard boxes stacked on top Um and uh, apparently the island is called Nice City. Uh, was going to go Stan Andreas, but the character limit is brutal, which I, <laughs> I really like. Um, but yeah, the question that came along with this was, uh, I'm trying to contrive a train from household objects. What's your best improvised thing made from in-game items? So I actually don't know that I've really I don't gone either, in that really. Um, I did it a lot more in Pocket Camp just because um 
like some of the items had some interesting effects if you turned them. I think, um, I think the thing that I've loved seeing other people doing is, so you know those shop front stall things that yeah. you can get? If you put them sideways on, so the short end is facing south, um, and you put two back to back with one space in between, you can create like a little greenhouse effect. Hmm. Um, because the way that they are then positioned and the way the camera sees them, it looks like there's like panes of glass and things. Cool. Um, and the, the stall shelf looks more like the, um, the, the table surface that you would get inside a greenhouse. So I've seen a lot of those being used for hmm. like allotments and, and little, um, yeah, like potting shed kind of areas, which has been adorable. Mm. Um, I haven't done it myself because I didn't really need that space at the moment. But yeah, like, have you seen any? Um, well, I, I do. I do much less playing on other people's islands than you, so I haven't really. I've seen. Obviously, you did loads of cool stuff for the magazines and things. I oh, liked wow. you, you turning the magazines into um, into programs for the art, art exhibit. Was a good example of this. Mm. Um, but no, I wouldn't say that, like, it's not really how I play the game. And again, it's exactly what I was talking about at the top of this. It's like, there are different degrees that, like, I, my comfort level with engaging with sort of making, making stuff is sort of, in, is essentially rearranging what's there. That's kind of the amount of energy I want to give the game, but I really appreciate what's possible if you start combining things hmm. in creative ways. Um, for me, that uncorks a kind of kettle of fish in terms of <laughs> changing the, the, um, yeah, changing the the scope of what I might hope to achieve in a way that I think mm. for me takes away some of the um, comfort of yeah. pushing the deck chairs around, basically. I think for me, I've got um, I've got those stone tablets that I use as gravestones in my little mm. graveyard, which is probably as close as that comes. And also, I know a lot of people, myself included, have um, put the snapping turtles down on the ground as like little pets. Yeah. Um, and I've done that with the paper tiger item as well. Like if you put that kind of near um, the pet food bowl as well, it mm. looks like it's having some snacks, which is very very, that is very cute. good. So, yeah, I think it's more about, you know, yeah, those small workarounds for me mm. at the moment. But um, Reddit actually tends to be a really good um, source of seeing that type of creativity or seeing um, if, for example, the back side of an item, like the non-optimal viewpoint, might lend itself to something else. Yeah. Um, just before we go, I would say that um, something that was interesting in Pocket Camp was... Um, the uh, over winter there was like christmas um market stalls that you could get through one of the events and um if you turned them through 180 degrees the back of the market stall was actually um it, it changed it completely and, and the back was decorated to look like uh the front of a house so mm. it had like a little wreath on the door had like a little colored door and nice sort of Clever. snowy roof and things and so that was actually a really cool um, effect and double use of the item. And it was actually also really fun watching the trickle of people who, you know, even months after the event would suddenly realise when they'd been fiddling around, like, mm. oh, this thing has this on the other side. And, and a new post would pop up and a few more people who hadn't realised would note it, which was really cute. Hmm. I think that's I think that's all the news. From- yeah, and that's that's a long... 
long chat we've had. We've been talking hour and forty five minutes. Oh my goodness, that's that's maybe too much Animal Crossing. I think. (laughs) Says the person who's played 300 hours of Animal Crossing. Well, I might have hit 300 hours at this point, mightn't I? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, thank you to everybody who sent in a question. Yes, definitely. And if you would like to either um, show off your island or just ask for opinions and thoughts that may change as one person uh, experiences the uh, space for the first time and has to walk back some thoughts mm. um, please do send those in there's uh, questions at Crate and Crowbar as the email but um, probably for this it's uh, easier to use Twitter and to talk directly to me at Philippa War, which is P H I L I P P A W A R, just so that it doesn't get lost amidst chat of other games. Because mm, <laughs> my account is a one issue platform right now. Yeah. Mm. Good. That's everything. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>